welcome to Gen Z's Guide to Politics. I'm Pauline, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with your other co-host, Rachel. Hello, everybody. Yes, Pauline and Rachel are back this week for another episode of Gen Z's Guide to Politics, your guide to politics in the 21st century. We're so happy and excited to have you guys here today. We hope you're having a good week, a good month. We hope you're excited for summer, and we hope you had a happy Pride Month. We hope you're still having a happy Pride Month because every month should be Pride Month. Every day is Pride Month when you're gay, like we are. Um, So (laughs) also, if you are not homophobic and you do want to celebrate Pride, (laughs) for the whole year, as you should, then you should go check out our socials, our Instagram and our TikTok. Those are both at Gen Z's Guide to Politics. And we post pretty much every day on TikTok and definitely a couple times a week on Instagram as well. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. And also, If you're listening to this episode right now, go to our most recent TikTok or Instagram post and tell us your favorite fruit in the comments. I'm curious, even if you just want to comment an emoji, because I think it'll be fun to have a little inside joke. (laughs) Yeah. So what's your favorite fruit, Pauline? Do you have a favorite fruit? Um, I really love mangoes, but I would have to say that probably my favorite fruit, like undoubtedly, is a golden kiwi. That's so fair. I think I, if I'm feeling really bougie, it's been a really long time since I've had one of these because like, I only like to get them when they're like, when they're in season and they're good. But um, papaya, I love eating Mm. like raw, raw papaya. Oh my gosh. that's I love papayas too. Nature is beautiful, right? It really is. So today, your two favorite radio-based queers are going to sit down and we're talking all about gender. Specifically, we're talking a lot about gender roles and gender expectations and how they impact us in our everyday lives, especially as queer people. And, you know, I think it's always an interesting topic when it comes to, like, an individual's experience, right? Or just people sharing their stories. So, I think today in the nature of, you know, reflection and exploration and being kind to ourselves for Pride Month, um, I'm, you know, excited to have this conversation with you. And so, you know, we'll be sharing about our experiences for sure. And um, we hope that you guys will enjoy listening. And also, we would love to hear about your experiences as well. So with that being said, let's jump into it. I'm excited. I have to say, like, I think that, you know, a lot of people, when they think about, like, the idea of gender roles, they see, like, the 50s, like, advertisements in Uh, their head, you know? Yes. I bake food, raise kid, have the bang bang. That's my life. (laughs) (laughs) 
right. No, literally. Like, they all have the pies on the front, and there's, like, four kids. Eat my green pea casserole. Yeah, it's always a casserole. Why? I don't know why white people like making casseroles so much. I never... Maybe, I mean, I don't know. Who am I to say? I guess I'm white, so I guess I could say. But, anywho. (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) So... What I will say um, is that I think, you know, it's worth talking about the way that some of these expectations have historically shaped society, but also how they continue to show up in our everyday lives, right? Because I don't know about you guys, but I think, like, I grew up a lot with some voices in my life, like, very much pushing that idea of like gender roles on me and like kind of wanting me to take that into account when I like made decisions about my life and I think being the natural rebel um Avril Lavigne lover that I am uh I was like fuck that (laughs) um obviously over time like I think you know we sort of grow into and reflect a lot of what our society looks like. So, um, you know, of of course, over time, that wasn't always how I felt. But and, you know, some kind of gender roles, right, might be like women should stay home and have children, right? Or they're kind of like the main homemakers or they keep the home nice um and while they're at home rearing children or taking care of the house the man is working right and bringing home the bacon and you know smoking cigars and yelling at his wife if the uh pot roast isn't ready when he gets yeah and you know we have like things like that you know that i think are very much like represented in a lot of areas of media and that our brains go to but i think that there might be some ways that that shows up that we don't necessarily recognize right away right so like yeah i think for example like i know even in some of my own like experience i've seen so many families where the man like even if there's a a man and a woman right like a heterosexual relationship where they are both going to school they're both getting a degree like maybe they meet in college right if they get married and they do end up going you know together right i've known a lot of families who it's like once they do have children it's like the wife sort of ends up just abandoning her career for the entirety of you know her children's lives and sometimes she just never works again um and so it's like also you know kind of the expectation of um you know oh you'll get a degree just in case like just in case we ever need it you know but you're not going to really use it um like that sort of thing And that was something that I kind of heard a lot growing up, I know, like, that really kind of stuck in my head. And, like, obviously, getting a theater degree, I uh, did not, you know, um, anyway, I'll cut that out. But, um, but honestly, like, that sort of idea of, like, oh, yeah, like, you'll go to college to meet somebody to get married, and you'll have your degree in case you guys ever need it, but like he'll take care of you sort of thing which is obviously I think like a very like it sort of takes a lot of power and autonomy away from the woman who would be in that role right 
So yeah, go ahead, Pauline. What are your thoughts? Yeah, of course I had to yawn. Um, I think you're completely right. I grew up like kind of, um, I had, I always wanted to go to college. Like at a very young age, I wanted to go to college and I'm talking like five and six. I wanted to, um, I didn't quite know the name for it yet, but I really wanted to be a politician. Um, and it wasn't until I hit about eight or nine that I actually wanted to work in therapy um, and possibly later on pursue a politician career. But um, I remember my mom saying, but you're so beautiful. You don't, you're, you're not going to need a, a degree. Like you have your body, you have your face. And it's just something she said to me, like from the ages of like five to 10, which I think a lot of times some of our mothers push like these stereotypes on us and not just that as a I am a lesbian now but I was in several like heterosexual viewing relationships before I discovered that I was gay and men love to do this thing called weaponize incompetence where like you'll ask them to please take out the trash okay yeah I'll get to it and then like you keep asking them and you keep asking them and then they either throw a big fit about it and they yell at you until they do it or they go, oh, but I can't do it. Like, for instance, a wonderful explanation of this is I used to ask my ex-boyfriend to make the bed, like, in the morning. Because, like, I would get up and cook breakfast for, like, myself, him, and then everybody in our house. Which, like, there are six, there were six people at the time. So it was a pretty big back breakfast. And, like, I would also clean the kitchen at the same time. Only thing I asked him to do was make the bed. Which, yeah, notably, I just want to say that's, like... That's a huge caretaker role for you to literally, I'm just, just a thought, just a thought thrown in. <laughs> I, I am, I do love being a caretaker. I don't think I could ever be a homemaker, but I love taking care of the people I love. It is how I, it is how I show my love, especially cooking for people that I love. Yes. Not about the trad wife life, but we are <laughs> cottagecore here. We'll say yeah. that. <laughs> I, I like my bed made a specific way. Body pillow, two pillows for your heads to rest on two throw pillows and then fitted sheet flat sheet comforter throw blanket very simple very basic he wouldn't do it he would like switch the pillows he wouldn't put the throw blanket on like or I don't know why and I would be like that's not how you make my bed and then he would be like well what do you want me to do and I'm like I I tell you what to do I shouldn't have to make you a model every time I ask you to make my bed like I feel like that's really silly can and there's also like this thing that men put themselves above women and I've seen this a lot I've seen it in my parents relationships I've seen it in my friends relationships I've seen it like in some of my own past relationships but like I would ask for like water and like I would be working and like cleaning and stuff he would drink three quarters of the water and then hand me a cup that had this much, like, had literally, like, a swallow of water in it. But, and when I would ask why, he would be like, well, I was thirsty, too. My man's, there's more than one cup in the house. So, no. Like, <laughs> I know I'm not, like, rich, but we have, like, 80 goddamn mason jars. <laughs> so many drink options. Like, literally. No, but all jokes aside um sorry I just had to say even the logistics of that it's like it's just uh just stupid but anyway Pauline first of all you know <laughs> you you know my feelings on that <laughs> but honestly this is a great segue for I think a good term for 
everybody to know, which I think we've talked about it a little bit here on the podcast, but this sort of idea that men are over women or are better than women or are more qualified than women to do certain things, right? This idea is called patriarchy, right? Or a patriarchal system, which translates to like rule of the father or like rule of the man, I believe one of the two, but there is quite a lot of research that links these patriarchal systems, which put men in positions of power and subvert the positions of women or make them kind of submissive within society. There's quite a lot of research that links patriarchal patriarchal systems and societies all over the world to stricter gender norms and, you know, more stringent gender expectations. So when these men, right, or when men in general establish that kind of like dominance and control over people, right, on a large scale, the idea within the general conscience becomes that women should be submissive and should be quiet and should like not be taken seriously. And I also want to note that I think like in a lot of circumstances, right, you can even think about like cults or like religion, trigger warning for sexual abuse here, in these like in these cults or like religious groups where there's sexual abuse going on, right, even like the Duggars, like shiny happy people, if anybody watched that documentary, they like showed how in this group in the institution of basic life principles or the institute of basic life principles which is an offshoot of christianity and is a patriarchal system it opens up so many opportunities and so many doors for abuse and for like neglect and um like neglect of children specifically and then that can also lead to being in abusive situations so these systems are not like proven to be effective is what I'm saying. And these kind of gender norms, when they're super strict as well, they create these kind of environments that are not healthy for the people within them and everything. And I think like that's that's just important. I feel like that's just important and that needs to be said, honestly, because we've expressed like some of the ways that gender roles have affected us, but I think like we also see these circumstances where when you put that on a societal scale, it's like a toxic relationship, but it's on like a, a hundredfold kind of level of like oh. it's affecting so many people. Yeah. So I think like with that being said, like when we see that sort of stuff in those kind of circumstances, it also relates to like what's going on in our government today as well. And Pauline, you can tell me if you agree with this or not, because I I don't think this is too far of a comparison to make, if I don't say so myself, as someone who has experienced the the gender roles. (laughs) Um, But I think that, like, there can definitely be a direct correlation drawn between these things, like these, this sort of ideology, this patriarchal ideology that comes from these kinds of places and how... This is also showing up in our U.S. government now and everything. We think about the politicians who are being elected in different places, like like the people who are coming from these groups, right? People who are of these extreme beliefs, they're running for office now. And like people like 
you know, Jim Bomb Duggar, the, you know, the father of, you know, the person who was just arrested and who was in jail now for for CSA and CSAM materials, which is disgusting. Absolutely. He was on the show, 19 Kids and Counting, the son of the, the firstborn son of the family. And the dad literally ran for office while the trial was going on and thought oh that God. he would get elected. I saw that on TikTok and I didn't, the Duggar family is so fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like and they're are. they're part of a patriarchal system, right? And so, like, that's just one example. Like, he ran for office, the dad ran for office, but the son, who literally is in jail now for having this stuff, he he was, like, a major political figure. He was in cahoots with major political figures. And he wasn't, like, you know, quite at the federal level, but he definitely had a lot of play in Arkansas politics, which affects a lot of people. There was also another one of them that ran and was, like, really wanted to get elected, but didn't get elected, I don't think. So, like, that's just one example, right? But then we also see, like, states like Florida and Utah, which, like, Utah is very much, like, a religious-run state. Like, so much of their cabinet is of one singular, like, religion. And they really, you know, from the legislation that we see, it's harder for them to separate church and state at that point so it is so hard for them to separate church and state and they also like even if you're setting aside the discrimination against queer people that has happened in like florida legislation the wanting to control women's bodies and then saying you're doing it under the guise of protecting unborn children that's still a very patriarchal thing to do and if you disagree then it's very possible that you're still in very patriarchal thinking Mm -hmm. but like and also the idea of wanting to protect this unborn child instead of a like it's almost like it's such a capitalistic thought because it's like there are children that already need to be protected there are children whose parents can't afford to take care of them There are parents who can't afford to, you know, help them. There are kids who are in foster care. You know, there are all these things, yet you're wanting to protect the unborn child, right? Like, what happens to this unborn child after it's born, after you force it to be born? It ends up in the foster care system, or it doesn't get adopted, or, you know, just et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, that that thought process is very patriarchal. And also, the the don't say period bill stopping girls from under the age of eight from asking their teachers about their period that is such a patriarchal thing and there is nothing inherently wrong with menstruation Mm -hmm. in fact there's nothing wrong with it. it is a natural occurring thing that happens in in all mammals like everybody has the right to understand menstruation and some people like just don't have that information at home and i don't Like, kids go to school to learn. They should be able to go to school to learn about everything. You go to school to learn about bad things like Nazis and Hitler and slavery. But you should also be able to learn about things that are beautiful, like menstruation. Because menstruation is beautiful. We have just been raised that it's this hideous, ugly thing. It is such a beautiful process. And when it's not beautiful, it's absolutely fucking painful. And you should be able to learn about all sides of that. Mm-hmm. And saying that children, young girls specifically, or, you know, kids that have uteruses can't learn about menstruation, it is 
so obviously targeting young girls, which mm-hmm. is inherently patriarchal because you're saying, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Girls can't learn about something that naturally happens to them. And that is going to happen no matter what we do. And little trigger warning there. Many children are sexually assaulted more than people like to talk about. And many children that are sexually assaulted, especially girls, get periods at young ages. And we're talking, you know, eight, nine, ten. I got my period when I was 10. My mom got hers when she was eight. Like, and I am so happy. I am so happy that I had Miss Wolfhart to guide me through the process because I was so scared. I thought I was dying. Like it was a wonderful experience, but if I didn't have a teacher to help me, I'm pretty sure it would have been terrifying. (laughs) Right. And I think like, it's important to talk about children within the conversation, right? Because like gender, like, you know, we, we've talked a lot about gender here and like, trans youth and how you know youth that are outside of the gender binary experience so much discrimination and when children are expected to conform to these like strict gender expectations and gender norms especially when the law is involved that create that is going to create a mental health crisis you can see this on the small scale. As we mentioned in the last episode, like there's direct correlation between like if your family accepts you, how your mental health responds when you come out, right? When you come out, if your family accepts you, there's literally studies that show that those people are much better off. They fare much, much better than if they have a family that doesn't accept them. So I think that you know, we see this correlation for sure. And when you have like growing kids who aren't able to express themselves or just people aren't able to express themselves, that that becomes, first of all, fucking dangerous to our our personal freedoms. Like, why am I not allowed to express myself? Why am I not allowed to perform drag? Why am I not allowed to like, you know, dress in clothes that are masculine? Why can't I, you know, why can't I do X, Y, Z? Like, why can't I have the right to my own personal medical freedom and medical decisions when it comes to my body and my gender identity? Um, not you, anti-vax people. Um, but, but you know what I'm saying? That's the first concern, but also it can become an issue with like mental health and everything. And so, you know, I think that like, having to perform to certain gender norms for me personally i know that like i struggled a lot with my gender and i've always felt a little bit insecure within my gender especially as somebody who like i experienced puberty very early um and so i struggled a lot with feeling ostracized by my peers and by the adults in my life as well um because of that. And when you look older than your age, it's also easy, I think, for people in your life to be like, oh, like you look so grown up, da 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 da, and start bringing in those like gender norms. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. like, oh, you're going to break so many boys' hearts, or oh, you're going to like marry and your kids will be beautiful, and da da da. It's like, ew, that's it's okay. I'm just trying to do my thing. So, But I think that, like, 
you know, that's my experience for sure. Um, and I know like for me, since I've explored my gender identity, since I've been more open with myself and and with other people in my life as well, I feel like I, you know, and I'm still learning a lot, you know, I'm learning a lot about it every day and that's okay. Like, I feel like I'm a lot more comfortable with myself, with who I am, um, and also with, like, my body generally and how I look. But I also love fashion a lot more. I like playing with clothes and seeing what I look good in and what I feel good in. And honestly, I think for that, like, little Rachel would be very proud of herself. And I think, like, yeah. I And I'm happy about that. I'm happy for that. So, that makes me feel feel good so but how about you Pauline so I use she they pronouns and I think for me my gender and how I feel it comes down a lot more to how I feel not how people accept me and I think it's that for a lot of non-binary people like I'm a very femme person but there are times that I I feel like a woman I feel like I, and that's because I have, I have woman experiences. I was raised a woman. I have woman experiences. There are also several times that like, I don't feel like a woman, but I also don't feel like a man either. Like, I just feel like, like me. And I didn't quite understand that ironically until I asked my little brother like a year and a half ago, I was like, do you, do you feel like a boy or a girl? And he was like, I don't think I need to feel like either. I just feel like me. And I'm okay with just being me. And it was very ironic because for the first time in my life, I realized that every time somebody tried to force me into a dress, I just wanted to be me. And me in that moment wasn't being a femme person. And I think for a lot of people who who stick to their their gender very strictly, sometimes being a non-binary person or meeting a gender like fluid person can be a little confusing because they are very fluid. They're very like, sometimes I feel like this, sometimes I don't. But growing up, I I think growing up Black and growing up Black as a woman is a very unique experience. I was forced at a very young age to, to be ultra feminine. And sometimes it was, it it teetered more on the line of whether it was ultra feminine or growing up too quickly. But I think gender plays a very hard point for me because I was also told at a very young age, like, I was like, I like girls. And then like, I said, I like girls again. And then the only way that you could like a girl, at least this is what I was told is you had to be more manly. So then sometimes I would like, I tried to make myself more manly. So it was okay that I like, like, I like girls. So I think I have a very complicated relationship with gender. Um, But I think what has made me feel the most comfortable is allowing myself to feel comfortable in clothes that I wasn't always allowed to feel comfortable in. Like, sometimes I want to wear, like, cargo shorts and, like, the biggest t-shirt I can possibly find, and I want to put on a shit ton of makeup, and that's okay, and I don't have to justify it to anybody, because it's what makes me comfortable. And other times, I want to feel like a princess. Like, it just depends on how I feel, and it depends on what makes me comfortable, and I don't always feel like a woman, and that's okay. Sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't, and all of those things are okay. And I think gender is a lot more complicated 
than what people make it out to be. But I also think if there weren't so many sticklers about gender, it would be a lot less complicated. Very true. I love yeah. that. Like, so yeah, I I love this conversation that we had today. I love it too. It's- With that being said, thanks to everybody for tuning into this episode. Happy end of June. Um, but remember, Pride Month every day, bitches. We we love it, and we'll continue talking about gay sluts all throughout history. Throughout yes, the year. we do. We, that's what we do here on this podcast, right? That's was you know we have a hot girl history lesson we literally released last week that is exactly that so if you like this episode go listen to that one follow this podcast subscribe to it and also go check out our socials which again are at Gen Z's Guide to Politics so we hope you have a great day a great week a great uh, a great night um, and celebrate today just celebrate because you can all right y'all. Thanks for sticking around and have a great time.